it's Tuesday, so hey, how are you, Mona? I'm okay, Charlie. How are you? Good. You know, I mean, I suppose that people expect us to talk about the State of the Union address, but I'm figuring that by the time most people listen to this, they will have already heard it, and I basically don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Is it wrong to be completely jaded about the State of the Union address? All eyes are on. No, actually, most people's eyes are someplace else. I started getting jaded about states of the union when Bill Clinton was president. And, um, you know, he would give these endless speeches that went on seemingly for like 16 hours, Castro length, or so it appeared to me. And my eyes would be, my lids would be getting heavy. And I would think I have a professional obligation to watch this. And I'd be falling asleep. And then I would look at, you know, over the next several days, I would look at the polling and be like, people loved it. It was a huge success, you know, and like, okay, I mean, obviously I'm out of sync here. I don't get it. But that's why we do, because we're out of sync. Yeah. This is our brand being out of sync. Exactly. That's right. I find them inexplicably, uh, no, unutterably is a better word, dull. And unenlightening, you know. Overhyped. Yes. It's been mentioned a thousand times, of course, that uh, Thomas Jefferson, who didn't like to give speeches, sent his messages to the Congress in writing. That could be revived, that tradition. It would be very wholesome and healthy. But we have what we have. Also, it contributes, Charlie, to the really unwholesome and unhealthy sort of deification of presidents of the United States. You know, they are treated like royalty. They are, you know, the rapturous reception that goes on and on. It's too much. I mean, it would be one thing if there were such a greeting after somebody had just won the Nobel Peace Prize or uh, won a war or done something, you know, important. But Every single year, it's just a... Well, that doesn't bother. Part of it is just the pointlessness of it. I mean, it's a laundry list. They tend to be boring. There's all of this over-analysis, like, you know, this is crucial. This is the make or break. It generally doesn't make that much of a difference, but it is this sort of fake theater and the only thing that I'm going to be looking for is, you know, how how badly behaved, you know, does the, the MAGA caucus be, behave, you know? Yeah. Is Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boba going to get up and start screaming again? Is Joe Wilson going to yell, you lie? You lie. Is, yeah. is Kevin McCarthy going to rip up the speech afterwards? Because, I mean, he's under pressure to do something completely performative. Yeah. You know, Joe, Joe Biden, and, and I don't want to go through this, you know, he, he has some substantive things to say. He's going to be doing some victory laps. He'll challenge the, the Republicans. And, and all of that. But it does strike me. And I was I was on Morning Joe this morning and they were talking about, well, the president still has the bully pulpit. And, well, this is the bully pulpit. Yes, the presidency is a bully pulpit. This is really not it anymore. I mean, it's, I feel like 1918 wants its format back. Again. I mean, it's just standing up and speaking to a, a room full of people doesn't do it. But Can I just mention something that you and uh, Will talked about yesterday that I think is such an important point? You were saying that uh, Biden fails to connect with the American people because he doesn't do the performative part of the presidency. Yes. And and I just think that's such an excellent point to underline. While nobody wants the kind of, you know, craziness that Trump brought to the office and the tweeting and so on, the pugnacious uh, press conferences, it's true that the American people expect that They're going to see their president's face. Entertain us. Yeah, entertain us. And I think probably for people like you and me, 
you know, the president should be seen but not heard is fine, <laughs> unless there's an emergency. That would be just fine with me. But I think most people expect something else. And he just has not. I mean, he hasn't. Has he done a single Oval Office address? I don't think so. I'm thinking, no. Yeah. Has he done a, a press conference? I mean, maybe one. I think Sarah Longwell wrote about this like more than a year ago saying this is one of the weaknesses of the Biden presidency is that he is not actually using his bully pulpit. He's not as visible. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I was looking forward to having whole days where I never saw or thought about the president. But unfortunately, it's 2023 and that's not the nature of the job anymore. So right. and again, if people say, why are you beating on Joe Biden? Um, the, the reality is that he's got a very strong substantive record, but he has not connected with the American people because he's not a presence for the American people. And he has not used. And part of the question is, how do you evaluate whether a president is successful or not? Well, one of the most important I think qualifications, you know, markers of of a successful presidency is his ability to connect with the public and to communicate. And you can't just say, well, I've done a good job. I shouldn't have to go give these speeches. No, that's this is all part of the package. This is what you sign up for. Yep. And uh, it is notable that while Biden passed a lot of legislation, I mean, I, I'm not all that happy with a lot of the legislation he passed. It's not my cup of tea. But there's no question that he did eventually, after a lot of Sturm und Drang, with Democrats fighting Democrats in the first two years of his presidency, he did actually enact a lot of laws. Yet people are not aware of it. They have no idea. And, and it's interesting because the polls show that they don't think he got much done. And, you know, it is interesting because Biden believes, apparently, that you have to deliver for the American people. And by deliver, he means pass legislation, make the world a better place that way, and the voters will reward you. That is a very dubious proposition. I mean, <laughs> the voters vote on other things like how the economy is doing, which is you know because of inflation, not perceived as going well, despite the tremendous jobs numbers. And, uh, you know, just the general state of things. And, and if the economy is strong and inflation is under control, people really don't care about much else, do they? No. And, you know, when people are saying, well, you know, what are you watching for tonight? What does uh, you know, Joe Biden have to do? My actual real answer, which I would not say in public, so that's why it's good that this is you know, just between us, yep. is that the most important thing that Joe Biden can do tonight is look like he's okay. <laughs> Because, I, no, seriously, I mean, he needs to stand up there because think about it. I mean, millions of people are told on a daily basis that he cannot put a sentence together. That, And every time he's given a successful speech, there is that sort of, you know, remember when Rush Limbaugh was still alive, it was like, well, they, they had to, you know, I think it was one of the speeches at the convention, you know, they had to have, you know, um, you know, splice that together. They must have edited that because there's no way that this guy that we've been telling you is completely senile could possibly give that speech. So if, in fact, he looks lucid and, you know, on top of his game and he doesn't look like he's, you know, 180 years old. I Then, then I think it's, it's going to be a net plus for him. But again, when you listen to this, you'll know whether that happened or not. So Right. Well, I mean, maybe his comms people will be listening to Just Between Us and will decide that he needs to do a little bit more to connect with the American people. Yeah, they should work on it. OK, so there are a lot of people who are waiting on the the ironic moment if they've listened to our podcast or particularly my podcast here you and I talk about how profanity is just a terrible thing. 
you wrote a piece for the Bulwark today, say you know police uh, police reform is difficult, but but maybe police should. Uh, your your headline is actually police should chill the fuck out. <laughs> well, not this spelled your, out. <laughs> that's not my headline. That's that's your headline. So it was to make make the case why you think police should uh, chill the fuck out. Okay, so. The, the very word in the headline brings you up short. And yeah, no, we're aware this is ironic. Yeah. Yes. And it was, you know, the point being that mouth on her. language has consequences. And I noticed over the last few years, whenever there's been a story about police misconduct or frequently, you hear that the police use really vile language when they're encountering people on the street. You know, it occurs to me that this is a problem. And so I looked it up and it turns out that it's pretty widespread. It's not just uh, a few anecdotes. Uh, there are polls that suggest that something like one out of five people have been cursed at by police. There's a phrase for it. There's a, there's a thing for it. It, it. it is an instant escalation, right? I mean, the, the moment that, you know, the, you know yes. it's, it's one thing to say, you know, uh, license, please, sir, you know, but, you know, Will you give me a blank, blank, blank? What, what is it called? It's actually called, oh, it's called tactical language. Yes. So some police departments actually oh, encourage it as a way of asserting authority. But my view is that, you know, this sort of flips on its head the traditional American assumption that we have in our judicial system that you're innocent until proven guilty. When police approach citizens that way, it's like they're assuming that they're guilty and treating them badly. And the assumption, the template should be the opposite. It should be that people are law-abiding unless shown otherwise, and the police should be polite and respectful to citizens. Doesn't take too much effort to say, you know, I mean, obviously there are certain situations where police are totally within their rights to say, you know, show me your hands, you know, that sort of thing, because, you know, this country is crazily armed. But there is no reason that they can't say, sir, please show me your hands. Yeah. Right. Or ma'am, you were driving erratically, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And, you know, it does. There are studies that show that it actually increases people's perception that the police are using excessive force when they use profanity. There have been studies that, that have shown this. So I just think, you know, this is one police reform that could be done pretty much overnight, doesn't cost anything and would be, uh, would be a good corrective. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. 